Hello, my friend, and welcome to episode 154 of the Yours Truly podcast. My name is Claire Tuning. I am your host, your resident non-diet registered dietitian, certified eating, certified intuitive eating counselor. There we go. Messing up my own title, y'all. And a peanut butter and jelly enthusiast, as I always like to say, as part of my introduction. Now, I told you last week in the intro to that episode that we were officially in that time of year here in Virginia where it's the how long can I wait to turn on the heat season. And I have to tell you, about two hours after I finished recording that intro, I ended up turning on the heat. So I did not last long into that season. Call me weak or cold prone, if you will, but it was chilly in my house and I prefer to be cozy as often as possible. So had to give you that little update. Also, I said in last week's episode intro that we were a couple of days out from the release of Red Taylor's version. If you're listening to this in real time, that happened last Friday and then coming up this Friday, November 19th, is the release of Adele's new album, 30. So I just wanted to do a little little wellness check on all of you. This is like the peak week of sad girl autumn, and I just want to make sure that you are doing okay. I gotta say, I'm actually recording the intro to this episode before Taylor's version of Red is coming out, so I cannot speak for how I will be doing when this episode comes out, but as I said last week, it will probably be a combination of all too well and feeling a little treacherous, if you know what I mean. So... Hope you're hanging in there if you're participating in Sad Girl Autumn and all of the music that is sponsoring us (laughs) this season. But in today's episode, I am talking with Jessica DeFino. You will probably hear in my voice throughout the entire interview that I was so excited to have the opportunity to talk to Jessica about all things skincare. That's kind of a topic that... I haven't ever gotten to cover here on the podcast because we're typically talking about food and diet culture, but you will see here in a couple of moments why this conversation with Jessica about skincare is very, very relevant to everything that we cover here on the podcast. But before we get there and before I officially intro her, I have an announcement. So we are currently in the midst of our November Attitude of Gratitude giveaway here on the podcast. And this is a giveaway that I ran last November. I'm bringing it back this year. It might become a yearly thing here on the pod, but it is a giveaway where one lucky winner is going to gain complete access to my intuitive eating discovery course, completely full free. So the course is designed for those who want a roadmap for getting started with intuitive eating. They want to break up with their dieting tools like the scale and food trackers. They want to reconnect to their body's cues around hunger and fullness and satisfaction. And of course, they also want to begin quieting that voice of their inner food police. So if this sounds like you, I'm going to tell you briefly what the course includes. So if you 
choose to enter into the giveaway, you know what you're going for. So the course includes eight guided coaching lessons led by yours truly. Each of these coaching lessons are filled with real life tools that you can take and begin working on as soon as you finish listening to each module. You will also get a slew, does anybody say that anymore? A slew of (laughs) downloadable PDF worksheets following each of those coaching modules that are going to contain key takeaways and journaling prompts and activities as well to help you set goals and take action on what you learn in each module. You're also going to get lifelong access to a private Facebook community that is just for participants of this course. So you'll get group support. You'll have access to me to ask questions. We do a monthly live Q&A session. There's a whole backlog of those Q&As at this point, so there's a lot of content there. And there's also a lot of free bonus content that comes with enrollment on the topics of mindful eating. We have a body image session with Brianna Campos. You may know her as Body Image with Brie. There is an additional resources guide. There are phone backgrounds, all the goods there in that free bonus content. So if any of this sounds interesting to you and you would like to enter this giveaway for a chance to win all of that, all you have to do to enter is leave a five-star rating and a review of this show. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, you can tap those five stars and take a couple of moments to write a review, maybe sharing what you enjoy about the show, who'd you recommend it for, what you're learning, or really anything else that comes to mind when you tune into the pod. If you do not listen on Apple Podcasts, but you would still like to enter into the giveaway, I don't want to exclude you. So the way that you can enter then is by taking a screenshot of either today's episode or any of the other episodes that air in November and upload it to your Instagram story. Now, when you put it on your story, if you could just include a little blurb about what you like about the show, who'd you recommend it for, something like that. And be sure to tag me as well at Claire Tuning so I can see your story and make sure that you get added to the list of people entering into the giveaway. I plan to draw the winner of this giveaway at the end of November, and I will be announcing that lucky winner on the episode that airs on the first day of December. That happens to be a Wednesday, so there will be a new episode that day, and I will be announcing the winner then. So if you enter the giveaway, be sure to come back every Wednesday, of course, but especially on December 1st to hear if you have won. And I said this last week when I introduced this giveaway, but last year when I did this same thing, I believe we only had between eight and 10 entries. So you do the math there. If history repeats itself and we have a similar number of entries this year, then your odds of winning free and complete access to this course are pretty high. So take that as you will enter if you would like and thank you thank you as always for your support and continued listening ears but for now let's go ahead and pivot or pivot as ross from friends would say uh, back to the topic at hand for today's episode with jessica defino so a little bit about jessica if you are not familiar with her work she is a pro skin anti-product 
beauty reporter, dismantling beauty standards, debunking marketing myths, and exploring how beauty culture impacts people, both physically, psychologically, and psycho-spiritually. Her work, quote, basically gives the middle finger to the entire beauty industry, as HuffPost once put it. You can find her articles in the New York Times, Vogue, WWD, Teen Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, Allure, New York Magazine's The Cut, Elle, Cosmo, Marie Claire, Glamour, Self, Coveture, Man Repeller, Hello Giggles, Business Insider, The Zoe Report, Fashionista.com, and more. What a list. Uh, She also writes weekly-ish beauty newsletters, or The Unpublishable, that's the, the title of the weekly newsletter, as seen in the New York Magazine and UK Sunday Times. Val Monroe, the former beauty director of O, the Oprah Magazine, describes Jessica as, quote, a journalist who covers the beauty industry the way Woodward and Bernstein covered Watergate. So if that intro doesn't hype you up for today's episode, quite frankly, I don't know what will. (laughs) In this conversation, Jessica and I talk about the many parallels between skincare culture and diet culture. And in fact, she actually calls out skincare culture for being, quote, dewy diet culture, and she'll explain more in this episode what she means by that. She also will be offering some tips on how to reevaluate your relationship with skincare, what products to look for and which ones to stay away from, and how to know what healthy skin actually means. So all that said, let's go ahead and hand this conversation over to Jessica. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the Yours Julie podcast. How are you today? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I, as I was telling you before we hit record, I'm really, really excited to have you here, not only to share with our audience, but also to, to learn from you myself. But before we officially get into things, I do have some this or that questions for us. Are you ready? I think so. <laughs> I know it's early in the morning. I've met you, but we're going to give it a go. Okay. First one, if you envision your quote unquote perfect day, would you rather have warm weather or cool weather for that? Warm. For sure. Did not even hesitate on that. <laughs> no, I'm a July baby. I, I love it. Then um, we must be getting to that time of year then, especially if you're living on the East Coast in the North that um, maybe isn't your favorite. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm already, I'm already upset about summer being over. Yeah. Well, good news is it'll come back, but we just have to brave the the winter months in the meantime. Uh, Next one, coffee or tea or neither? Coffee Coffee for sure. I'm a big coffee drinker. Okay. Well then my next one that I'm just going to do randomly here, since you said coffee, I have to know hot or iced. Ooh, I'm one of those people who will like drink iced coffee, like deep into the late fall, but I do switch over to hot coffee for winter. Wow. Wow. So kind of seasonal, but you, you hang on to the ice. I hang on as long as I possibly can. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm sitting here with my iced, let's see, maybe our listeners can hear the ice in my drink. I, (laughs) I'm a diehard iced coffee person all year round. Oh, wow. Wow. 
Yeah. Maybe, I that. <laughs> yeah, maybe um, on like a super cold day, a lot for something hot, but generally mm-hmm. speaking, I'm a uh, team iced. Yeah. I love that. Next one, extrovert or introvert referring to yourself. Introvert. Yeah. Yeah. Need, um, need alone time, downtime to kind of recharge so much alone time. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I'm with you on that. I feel like sometimes, you know, when we're recording or, you know, doing business facing stuff, I can definitely be extroverted at some points, but definitely need the, the alone time to recharge. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Two final ones. When it comes to TV shows, are you more of a drama or a comedy person? Mm, comedy. I think it's a toss up though. I just love entertainment in general. Yeah. I uh, feel like it kind of depends on your mood, maybe like what you opt for. And final one, I cannot end this, this or that session without a food focus question. So are you more of a burrito or a taco fan? Oh my gosh. It's so hard (laughs) to choose. (laughs) I guess, I guess when push comes to shove, I'm a taco person. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, although I will give it to burritos that um, if they're wrapped properly, they can be less messy than a taco. Yes, I yes, it makes all the difference. I think with any kind of sandwich, it depends if somebody else is making the sandwich or the burrito for you, if it's done like perfectly. Yeah. Oh, man, it makes all the difference. Yeah, I think that kind of applies to all foods in general, mm-hmm. though. Like if someone else is going to make it for you, especially if it's like cooked or prepared to perfection, whatever that means. It always tastes so much better than it would if you had made it yourself. (laughs) Yeah, no, I do not cook for myself because I can't get over that. I'm just like, (laughs) it's not as good as I want it to be. I love it. Well, um, thanks for hanging in there with me and doing some this or that. I just love to play that game with guests so we can get to know you in a little bit of a fun and a lighthearted way before (laughs) we dive in. But for anyone who doesn't know you yet or is not yet familiar with your content, could you maybe take a couple of moments and share just a bit about who you are and what you do on the daily? Yeah. So as you've said, my name is Jessica Defino. I'm a reporter in the beauty industry. Um, and my work really focuses on debunking a lot of marketing myths in the beauty industry, uh, dismantling beauty standards, and um, sort of encouraging, I guess, a level of self-reliance. I like to say that I'm pro-skin and anti-product. So my coverage always comes from the angle of trusting in the skin and the body first. And if it needs product support, great, we can add that. But it never starts from the basis of, I need a product, which product should I choose? That, I mean, we're going to get into this so much in our conversation, but already I am so seeing the parallels between eating and food. Right? Mm-hmm. Something that I say to my clients a lot is I'm not anti-supplement. Of course, there are situations or certain nutritional conditions where nutritional supplements can be great and they can be very supportive, but I'm always very much like body first and food first. And then we can go from there. So maybe we can play a game throughout the episode. How many parallels? (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be a lot. But as you describe kind of being in this industry and being a reporter, I'm so curious, how did you get into this? Did you aim to be in this industry or did you just kind of find yourself here one day? Yeah, no, not at all. I didn't aim at all. Um, I'll give you the short version of a very long and winding journey. Uh So I studied um, songwriting and music business in college. And then right after college, 
I decided to move to LA and I was assisting a wardrobe stylist in LA who worked in the music industry. So I was doing wardrobe styling for bands like Green Day and Jason Mraz and uh-huh. Sarah Bareilles, um, which was amazing. And it kind of got me into that like celebrity space in Los Angeles. Um, and after a while I missed writing. So I sort of pivoted my career into writing for international magazines in LA, like a lot of like Harper's Bazaar China or El Mexico would hire agencies in Los Angeles to produce celebrity content since we had the proximity. Uh Um, So I did that for a while, which turned into a gig working for the Kardashians. (laughs) I launched the Kardashian official apps in 2015 with a small team of people. And then um, throughout the course of all of this, my skin kind of uh, freaked out. Like it was a very high stress environment. When I started working for the Kardashians, I started getting sent all sorts of products. So I was under a lot of stress. And then my skin was like doused in all of these mm-hmm. new and uh, you know, quote unquote, exciting cosmetic chemicals. Um, and it triggered a case of dermatitis. And the treatment of that sort of led me down this rabbit hole of dermatology and the beauty industry and what skin issues actually are and and how do these prescriptions and products actually help? Do they help at all? Wait, no, they don't. Skin doesn't need a lot of this stuff. And I just sort of like blew my whole world open and was like, no, I need to pivot to a career in the beauty industry to start spreading some of this truth because it's, it's just not out there. Yeah. That sounds like quite the winding and unexpected (laughs) journey as a whole. I, at no point in that story, did I know where that was going, but I'm happy that we (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my uh I have to tell you as a, as a side note my uh my best friend big fan of all things reality tv has watched all 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 things and everything Kardashian she is absolutely going to to freak out when I tell her I had interviewed someone who, who had a level of connection you there can tell but, her I was a uh, fake internet Chloe for a little bit <laughs> But uh, I can imagine, especially being in that environment, like in LA, I've, I've only visited once. I cannot claim to know a lot about that environment, but from what I do know about it, I know it is very appearance focused, very beauty focused. So um, you must've had a lot of, you know, insider information and just experiencing a lot of that upfront to then take into your reporting and writing on all of this. Yeah. Exactly. And I think for such a long time, I was so steeped in it that I didn't realize how um, toxic it was. It was just like, well, this is the way things are. And, you know, when I started working for the Kardashians, I, I thought they were like very strong, powerful businesswomen. I really respected them. And then sort of the deeper I got into this celebrity world, the more I was like, this is all fake and unattainable and created for the 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 end goal of selling something to people that they can't actually achieve. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do think it really like opened my mind once I was ready to see those things. And it's so interesting too, that you mentioned you didn't even realize how problematic or how harmful it was until you kind of stepped away from it a bit. Um, I, here's another parallel that I'm picking up on. I hear so many individuals who I work with, you know, describe certain aspects of a relationship with food that for so long, they didn't even identify as a problem or as a challenge because our culture has so normalized those behaviors around food. So another parallel there for sure. But, um, you know, something that I have done a lot since 
booking you as a guest on the show. Obviously I like to do my research and I like to familiarize myself with the content of my guests. And, you know, something that you talk about a lot on your social media feed is how skincare is just, um, as you call dewy diet culture. And if it's okay with you, I'm actually going to read, um, a quote from one of your posts back to you and just kind of have you comment on it because I want our listeners to have the full context of this question. So you wrote in a recent post, you said, if you wouldn't suggest weight loss pills to a friend, but have no problem recommending a plumping lip gloss or a wrinkle reducing serum, then it's time to talk about beauty culture, diet cultures, face focused fraternal twin little tongue twister there on the end, <laughs> but, um, in your mind, how are these two things similar? So how is diet culture, the fraternal twin, as you call it of skincare or beauty culture? Yeah, I think on the most basic level, beauty culture and diet culture, both sell us this idea of, um, health being appearance-based. So if you look a certain way, that's healthy. And if your behaviors encourage this certain look, you must be healthy with diet culture. It's equating thinness and health, which, you know, as we all know now, isn't the case in beauty culture, it's equating things like, um, glass skin or even light skin or tan skin, whatever the beauty standard you're trying to adhere to as, um, a healthy goal to have when in reality, it's, it's just aesthetic and often, often unhealthy in the way we, we try to achieve that. Mm -hmm. Very much that um, parallel of pushing an appearance-based standard that um, when we look at the the science or the studies behind it doesn't really hold up when we look at what quote unquote health actually means. Um, and kind of on that topic, you have also spoken a lot in your posts about how just because skin looks good or maybe appears healthy doesn't necessarily mean that it is. So um, could you maybe help us understand a little bit about what it actually means for skin to be healthy? And does that at all have a look? Does it not? Like, what does that actually mean? Um, so this is based on my, my research and what I have, have personally come to believe, but healthy skin is skin that functions properly. Like health has to do with function, not appearance. Um, and skin's main function is one to protect you from the elements. So sometimes it does take a little bit of a beating to, to protect you. Um, and two, it's, it's sort of like the body's communication device. So if something is showing up on your skin, it is usually pointing you toward a deeper, um, issue or something that you have to look at some sort of imbalance, whether it's internal, whether it's diet, whether it's stress, whether it's some sort of lifestyle thing, um, whether it's lack of external protection, like your skin barrier isn't getting um, enough help or whether it's using too many products. So you're wearing away the skin's protective layer. So everything that the skin, everything that shows up on our skin is a communication. And when we just seek to erase those communications, we are not actually helping ourselves improve how our body's functioning. Yeah. So I like to say healthy skin is reactive skin because that's its job. So if it's reacting, great. <laughs> yeah. It kind of reminds me here I go with another parallel. What is this three for yeah. counting here? Um, but another parallel, I almost relate this a little bit to, um, hunger cues in a way. Like I will always be reminding my clients and I write a lot of content about how 
the presence of a hunger cue means that your body is working for you. That's a signal that your body saying, Hey, I have a need. Can you please meet this need by means of physical fuel? It sounds like you talk a lot about the same when it comes to skin, right? If something is happening, if there's, you know, a presence of something showing up, that could be an indication that your body's trying to tell you something, or there's a need. And I find it to be interesting as well, that you just made a comment about trying to cover those things up. Like when I think of just you know, videos that I personally see on social media or thinking about makeup, how much of that is about just covering something up rather than asking, well, what does this actually mean? Or do I need to pay attention to this? So what are your thoughts on kind of this idea of just sweeping things under the rug, covering them up and um, not taking them as a sign or an indication? Thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, I think in the long run, it impacts your physical health because there's a health cue that you're ignoring it impacts your mental health because you're preoccupied with sort of shutting down your body. Um, there's a lot of shame there. Um, I think for a time it can help, which is why we are so obsessed with beauty. Like I think humans love a, a temporary relief at any cost. Yeah. Like if I don't have to feel this way right now, or if I don't have to look at this thing right now, I'll be fine. Uh, but eventually that does catch up with you. And and something I like to think about in terms of skincare and makeup is there is an element of self-expression to it for sure. Like, I don't say like, don't use any products. Um, But yeah, I I like to frame it as self-expression versus self-rejection. So Mm -hmm. what are you actually expressing from within and putting out there into the world? And what are you actually like covering up and hiding? Um, And I think when we look at skincare and makeup from those two perspectives, honestly, we can really say, oh, wow, a lot of my routine is not like the act of self-expression I really thought it was. It's, it's about hiding something. It's about covering something up. It's about ignoring something that I don't like about myself. It's almost um, about assessing the intention behind the behavior, right? Like, why am I choosing to do this? Or why am I choosing to add this product or or try to look this way. And I think it's so cool as well that you brought up the idea of sometimes makeup or using product being an act of self-expression. Going back to what I was saying a moment ago, just some of the videos that I see online. I'm not sure if you're a TikTok fan, (laughs) if you're on TikTok. No, no. no. I can't mentally handle another social media network. So I've tried to resist. Okay. Well, that is totally okay. We will give you a pass, but you know, sometimes I will find myself on what we would call like makeup TikTok, right? Where people are doing these tutorials, or maybe even they're just telling a story as they do their makeup. And so many times I am amazed at the artistry, like with what people can do, like it really can be an incredible and a creative way to express like artwork in a way. And I think that's a a cool part of this conversation to just assess the intention behind it, right? Are you looking to cover or are you looking to express? I had never thought about it in that way. Yeah. And the other thing I like to think about in that um, field of expression too, is like, if makeup were really always about self-expression, would all of us, would all of our unique beings be called to express themselves with um, contour and a cat eye and a red lip? <laughs> like, no. That is really, true. No, like <laughs> self-expression through makeup is so much more, can be so much more expansive than we have currently allowed for. 
And I think through that lens, you can sort of, you know, admit to yourself, wow, this isn't, this isn't um, as, you know, creative or expansive as it could be. And maybe I could be getting something more out of this on like a soul or spirit level. If I sort of widen my horizons and realize like contour, like something like contour, that's, I don't see that as a, as an act of self-expression. Um, it's similar to like maybe wearing a corset or something. If you wanted to parallel a diet culture, it's like carving out a face shape that isn't yours. It's like creating this illusion of thinness. It's creating this illusion of, you know, sharp cheekbones or a, a smaller jawline or whatever it is. Um, and of course there's an artistry to how to get that. But then when you look at the underlying beauty standard that it's informing why you want to look that way. Yeah. You realize, wow, there's a lot, there's a lot of like deep sort of um, insecurity and rejection in that concept itself. And that's fascinating as well when you compare it to wearing a corset or maybe some sort of shapewear that like changes how you appear visually. Yes. This is probably like the 7,000th time I've said this in this interview, but I've never thought about it in that way. But that's exactly what that is for the face, right? It's changing the, the shape or the appearance, almost kind of, yeah, making you into someone that doesn't even look like you or how yeah, you, exactly. you truly appear. Like the, the spanks of makeup. <laughs> Con- <laughs> Maybe that'll be the title of this episode, contouring, <laughs> the spanks of makeup. <laughs> um, while, while we're on this topic of makeup or just products in general, um, quick little anecdote here to lead into this question. But when, you know, last evening I was looking at my calendar and I saw you at the top of my calendar today. And I was like, oh, yeah, I get to interview Jessica. And I knew that we would be talking about all things beauty standards and products. So when I went into my bathroom to shower, I was just kind of looking at some of the bottles I have around, like the face wash, the body washes, and some wording on those products stood out to me in a way that I had simply never paid attention to them before because I see them so often, right? Right there on my face wash, which was, you know, something that was sent to me in just like a box of products right there on the label, anti-aging, right? I look at another thing, wrinkle reducing, right? Or tightening, you know, all of these buzzwords for lack of a better term around skincare. Like, is that inescapable at this point? Are there products that don't use those buzzwords? Like, what are your thoughts just on the marketing of this stuff in general? Um, I do not think it's inescapable. And I think um, the body positivity and body neutrality movements are a beautiful example of what's possible. Um, 10, 15 years ago, it was totally fine to be like, this will get rid of your stretch marks. Like your cellulite is unsightly, use this. And now thanks to activists in the body positivity space and the body neutrality space, like that language is becoming old and people push back against those language. And there's a big movement to be like, stretch marks aren't abnormal. Like my cellulite is fine. And we don't see those phrases as much on like body care marketing, you know? So I see skincare as having the potential to move in that same direction. Like honestly, saying anti-aging or anti-wrinkle is no different than saying anti-stretch mark or anti-cellulite. So when you see those terms on your products, it's helpful to think of it, especially if you're steeped in the anti-diet culture conversation or the body positivity or body neutrality conversation. I mean, just insert like 
skin for body and you'll see, oh my God, this is the exact same thing, um, which can be one discouraging, but two encouraging because we have seen so much change in the body space. And I believe that change is, is totally possible for the, for the face space. Yeah. So what I, I kind of hear you saying is maybe the change is coming in the skin space. It's maybe just a little bit farther behind than the, the body or maybe the diet conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I I hope that's what I'm trying to do. That's like my whole goal. (laughs) Yeah. It'll be really um, interesting as well. That's one of the reasons why I love podcasting, right? Cause this conversation will just live on, on the internet for years to come. So it'll be interesting a couple of years down the road to refer back to this time. And we're like, well, maybe crossing our fingers and maybe I'll uh, have to keep an eye out for some products in the future that don't use that lingo and see if I can. I mean, it's interesting too, because um, we are starting to see a little bit of that in the beauty space. Like there's a lot of um, shift to using a a language like pro aging or aging gracefully, um, things like that. But again, these are all sort of like sneaky terms where if you look at the underlying intention, it's the exact same. So whether you say anti-aging or pro-aging, if the intention is to eliminate your wrinkles, you know, there's really no difference there. So like, I hope that the change is um, more ideological than, you know, surface level word switch. Yeah. And maybe another, you know, parallel that we could pull here, this is four or five, if anyone is keeping track, but you know, something that I feel like we talk about a lot in the food and the body space is the idea that bodies, we aren't statues, right? We are meant to change and fluctuate over time body-wise. And, um, I would love your take on this, but when I think about the face, for example, and the presence of wrinkles, it's natural, I would say. And it's normal that over time, there are going to be changes and there might be lines. And I know you talk a lot in your content about how that's not a bad thing. What a privilege it is right to be able to age, but yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on, um, yeah, just the parallel there and just the aging conversation in general. Yeah. A lot of what I hear from, from older women, especially, um, when they want to use these products or they go to get their Botox injections or they're doing a facelift or whatever it is, is, I don't recognize myself anymore Mm. and they want to look like their old self and they want to feel like themselves. And my opinion on that is that you're not supposed to recognize yourself as you get older. Like that is just part of being a human and being alive is like change, growth, evolving, learning. Um, That's what's supposed to happen. You're not supposed to recognize your 18 year old self or your 25 year old self. And if you do, either you had a really strong sense of self at that time, or you haven't, you know, taken in all of the lessons that life has to offer us and and use them as fuel to learn and grow and evolve and change. And I wish we could, I wish we could see that for our faces as well. Like not recognizing yourself physically is such a beautiful opportunity to look beyond the physical you know, it, it can be sort of like this mirror to say, wow, my face has changed. How have I changed as a person? Where am I going as a person? Where is my life leading me? And can this new face go with me there? Mm-hmm. Um, I know it sometimes can sound like a little spiritual and a little woo woo, but like we are, 
we are spiritual beings in terms of like having a human spirit. Um, and yeah, I just wish there was more of that in the conversation. Yeah. And what a stark contrast that is like what you just said to, I feel like what the beauty industry is always trying to do, right? Keep us young. Looks don't change. Keep the face and all parts of the body tight, right? It's um quite a stark contrast to, to what you just said. But to kind of um make our way to the, the end of our conversation here, I have one final question that will maybe help to offer some of our listeners like a tangible thought or a takeaway to use when they go out into the world and they're looking for a product or they're looking for a face wash, whatever it might be. Um, what words of advice might you have just for us to keep in mind when it comes to choosing what products we are going to use, like things to look out for wording to avoid? What are your thoughts there as someone in the industry? Um, so my first tip is to really dive into the science of how your skin actually works. Um, I have a lot of articles on this. If you Google my name um, and key terms like, you know, skin's inherent functions, or um, I have one article on skin fast, which tells you how to stop using skincare products and then reassess what your skin actually needs based on the reactions that you see. Um, so first I would really get familiar with the science of how your skin actually works. Um, experiment and learn what your skin does naturally and where it sort of needs that support. And from there, you can add the topical support that it needs, which like spoiler alert is not going to be very much if your goal is healthy functioning skin. Um, in terms of products, like I myself, I just use pure Monica honey as a face wash and a face mask. And I use jojoba oil as a moisturizer. Jojoba oil is biomimetic. So it mimics the skin's sebum, which is your natural moisturizer. Mm -hmm. um, so I love to look for the, for the term biomimetic because that sort of indicates that it will be compatible with the unique biology of your skin and your body. Uh -huh. um, and then of course, some of us like to indulge in more, in more products than that. So I would say for ingredients, keep your ingredients minimal. Um, 10 ingredients are under in a product if you can, because that minimizes the chance that the product is going to interfere with your skin barrier or your microbiome in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and really, once you dive into the science, you realize your skin barrier and microbiome are full of uh, basically all the juicy skincare ingredients that are sold to you by beauty brands. Like we make our own hyaluronic acid, we make our own collagen, we make our own epidermal growth factor, um, we make our own probiotics, postbiotics, prebiotics, like all of this is built into your skin and body and you don't need to buy it. <laughs> yeah. It really, uh, reminds me of something that you said at the top of this interview, right? Like body first, and you didn't necessarily use it in those phrases, but I always say letting the body lead. And I'm, I'm wondering if anyone listening right now, I'm a little bit having this response internally as I listening, as I'm listening to you speak, but I'm wondering if anyone is like, like I've been lied to, like my skin makes all of those things because so many of the terms that you just threw out, I can definitely think of a time in my life where I saw a commercial or I saw an ad and all of those terms were being thrown out. Of course, with a photo of someone with this beautiful quote unquote, perfect skin. And we're not often or ever told Hey, your body makes that right. Or, or you don't necessarily need to be supplementing with all of that. It's, it's truly wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, I mean, when you want to dive even deeper into the science, there is 
you know, what foods give my body the nutrients and micronutrients and minerals that my body needs to produce those compounds. So like, for instance, if you're not getting enough, like magnesium and, you know, blah, 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 I've written an article on it, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. <laughs> your body won't produce the amount of hyaluronic acid it needs to keep your skin firm and bouncy and retaining water. So the answer is not necessarily a product, but like what foods will help me get my magnesium up? You know, it can be as simple as that. Like you don't have to put anything on your face. Yeah. It's fascinating. And as you're referencing all of these articles, I think in that answer, you referenced three, maybe more (laughs) that I know for me, I'm like, after recording, go look this up. But um, could you remind us one more time? And I'll try to link that in the show notes as well, but where can we find that? Or what is the best place to access the, uh, all the resources you're talking about? Mm -hmm. I've, uh, it's hard because I've written about these subjects so so much and so often for so many different outlets. So I always just say the best way for someone to find what I've written is to Google my name plus like the keyword that you're interested in and a bunch of them will pop up. Um, In terms of hyaluronic acid, I wrote a really in-depth investigation for Harper's Bazaar. Uh If you go on harpersbazaar.com and and you search hyaluronic acid, that will probably be the article that pops up. Um, There's an article on the Zoe report about, eh, the, the term is called skin fasting, which I don't love because it it has these icky diet culture connotations, yeah. um, but if you actually read the article, it is, it is very much health-based and it's about how to phase yourself out of skincare products and then listen to the cues that your skin is giving you to determine what you need to add back in. And that one's on the Zoe report. I can, I can imagine as a reporter and as a writer, you maybe have to toe the line of like choosing a title that's really enticing, but also doesn't make you feel like too icky (laughs) in what you're writing about. Yeah. And then also for me, it's, I am learning so much every day and like solidifying my point of view every day where like today I wouldn't write the articles maybe that I wrote two years ago or Uh three years ago. There's a lot of stuff on the internet from when I was like a staff reporter at Zoe Report where you had to turn out, you know, six or seven articles a week um, that have language in them that I would never use today. Um, And I'm very like vocal about that because like, yeah, there's stuff with my name on it that talks about anti-aging and getting rid of your wrinkles and, you know, icky pimples and how to just eliminate your blemishes. Um, and that haunts me. <laughs> I hate, I hate that I put that content out there, um, but I'm proud of myself for learning and growing. And I think that's possible for, for all of us. And I think that's, that's just a statement of like growth as a professional, right? I think anyone who's been in the public I, for any length of time at all, can definitely find a piece of content or maybe dozens of pieces of content, speaking for myself, that looking back on it, they don't stand by now, right? And and that's okay because we we grow and evolve much as our skin evolves over time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I'll, I'll bring that to a wrap. But um, I guess moral of the story for all of these resources that you're mentioning, search your name plus keyword, and then we'll, we'll find the, the titles from there. Uh, but Jessica, it has been wonderful getting to speak with you and learn from you. Um, Obviously, everyone who is listening hasn't had the the visual of getting to see you during this conversation, but I have to say throughout the middle of the interview, the sunlight was streaming into that room so beautifully and you were just like (laughs) radiant. Thank (laughs) you so much. The sun was shining upon you. Um, But for anyone who wants to learn more about you or read more of your content, where can they find you? Yeah, the best way is through my newsletter. 
It's called The Unpublishable. And that can be found at jessicadefino.substack.com. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram at jessicadefino underscore. Yeah, I was going to say plug your Instagram because I know I've referenced it multiple times, but I know everyone's going to be clicking their way to that as soon as possible. Um, but thank you so, so much for your time and being here and sharing some of your knowledge with us. But my listeners, that is all we have for you today. So we are going to sign off by saying yours truly, Claire and Jessica. That is a wrap for episode 154, my friends here with Jessica Defino. I hope you learned a couple of things about skincare culture, diet culture, spooky cousin, fraternal twin, whatever we were calling it in this episode. I found this to be super enlightening, so again, hope you did as well. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode or anything else that I share here on the podcast, I would be truly grateful if you could take a couple of moments and tap those five stars and leave a review. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, remembering that if you choose to do that here within the month of November, you will be entered into our Attitude of Gratitude giveaway where one lucky winner will gain free and complete access to my intuitive eating discovery course. If you are not listening on Apple Podcasts, but you would like to show support for the show or enter into the giveaway, you can take a screenshot of today's episode and upload it to your Instagram story, be sure to give me a tag at Claire Tuning so I can give you a shout out and also so I can be sure to enter your name into our giveaway. But that is all we have for you here today. Thank you again so much for being here and I hope to catch you back here next week. Talk soon.